Hello and welcome to Pearls and Wisdom. There will be stories about people, life, experience, mental well-being and shooting the breeze with some very interesting people. There may be some swearing so be mindful if there are little ears around. If you want to get in contact send an email to pearlsandwisdom so, um, at aol.com or follow the Instagram page I'm going to do at pearlsandwisdom where we'll be posting of some of the material we cover in the episodes. Thanks for listening. And why it is so hard to give up and also why some people get addicted to it in the first place. So, um, yeah, nerves is one of the big reasons, hence why I've got one in my hand now. But what I've learned from many, many years of doing this is it doesn't really cure nerves, but it's just something that you think will help you to cope in that situation. So you convince yourself that having a cigarette is going to make things all okay. But I'm hoping in these articles that there is something that will shed a bit more light on it and might enlighten me a bit more. So what have we got? We have got Dr. Nicholas Hopkinson, who is a medical director and reader in respiratory medicine at Imperial College and consultant physician at Royal Brompton Hospital. And the website this article came from is www.blf.org.uk. From thepsychologist.bps.org.uk, there is Lynn Dawkins, who is a senior lecturer at the University of East London, cancer.org, verywellmind.com, and the NHS. So, these are five articles or pages that have been pulled together to make a bit of a, a composite of what smoking does to the body, um, stats, figures, uh, the psychology side of it, the quitting side of it, and all that. I really hope if there's anyone out there who's recently quit, who's not perturbed by the sound of a cigarette going through the microphone at them. Okay, so... Pause, edit here, while I finish this. Okay, so, cigarette over, we will see what these articles have to say. So, in England, cigarette smoking is responsible for an estimated 81,700 deaths per year. In other words, that's 223 people a day, or 9 people an hour, who die from their smoking habit. An estimated 36% of all respiratory disease deaths 29% of cancer deaths and 14% of all circulatory disease deaths are attributed to smoking. This figure rises to 87% of deaths from chronic obstructive lung disease and 82% of deaths from lung, bronchus and trachea cancer. On an individual level, a long-term regular smoker loses an average of 10 years of their life. That's approximately 8 out of 10 non-smokers live beyond 70 years compared to only half of long-term smokers. If it doesn't kill you, smoking has multiple other ways of making your life a misery. It increases the risk of stroke, angina, emphysema, high blood pressure, thrombosis, asthma, cataracts, ulcers, erectile dysfunction and many more, not even factoring in the cost. While tobacco smoke contains thousands of chemicals, it is the nicotine content that is generally thought to keep people hooked. Smoking is an extremely effective way of delivering nicotine to the brain. 
It is rapidly absorbed through the lungs into the bloodstream, where it is carried directly to the heart and reaches the brain in about 6 to 10 seconds, akin to an intravenous injection. Because of this direct route, nicotine does not get a chance to dissipate, so the high concentration of nicotine in the lungs from a puff of a cigarette remains in the blood as this hit until it reaches the brain. While addictive, nicotine itself is relatively safe. It's the carbon monoxide which prevents oxygen transportation around the body and the tar which deposits in the lungs and airways and contains carcinogens that carry the health risks of smoking. So with all that in mind, why do people smoke? We all know this beforehand, even when we're 13, 14, whatever the age, picking up your first one, you know that it causes all these things. <clears throat> Excuse me. And even worse is when you're an adult and you really understand how this is a terrible thing to be doing to yourself. When you're a kid, you know, you're not going to be smoking a 20 pack a day. But as an adult, you're going to get into that kind of territory. And that's where the damage really, really ramps up. So why do we do it? Most people who smoke started when they were children. They tried the first cigarettes because they seemed cool, peer pressure, or because their parents smoked, so it seemed normal. Once people start smoking, it's hard to stop because nicotine is so addictive. Half of the people who try one cigarette will go on to become regular smokers. Some people can just quit by deciding to stop, but for many others, it isn't that easy. <clears throat> and as you can hear, every time I have to clear my throat, that is one of the effects of smoking. So how does nicotine itself affect you? So the addictive element. Nicotine and other chemicals in the tobacco smoke are easily, easily, easily absorbed into the blood through the lungs. From there, nicotine quickly spreads throughout the body. When taken in small amounts, nicotine causes pleasant feelings and distracts the user from unpleasant feelings, like the stress. This makes the tobacco user want to use more. It acts on the chemistry of the brain and the central nervous system, affecting the smoker's mood. Nicotine works very much like other addicting drugs, by flooding the brain's reward circuits with a chemical called dopamine. Nicotine also gives a little bit of an adrenaline rush, not enough to notice, but enough to speed up the heart and to raise blood pressure. Which is very interesting because normally, one of the reasons you'll have a cigarette is to calm down and to mellow out. But in actual fact, it has the opposite effect on the body. Nicotine reaches the brain within seconds after taking a puff and its effects start to wear off within a few minutes. The user may start to feel irritated and edgy. Usually it doesn't reach the point of serious withdrawal symptoms, but the smoker gets more uncomfortable over time. This is what most often leads the smoker to light up again. At some point, the person uses tobacco, the unpleasant feelings go away and the cycle continues. If the smoker doesn't smoke again soon, withdrawal symptoms get worse over time. So it has this spiral approach where it gets worse and worse and worse and worse and you feel like you have to be more dependent on it to get you through. But it's actually the effect of the cigarette itself that is putting you in that spin. As the body adapts to nicotine, smokers tend to increase the amount of tobacco they use. This raises the amount of nicotine in their blood and more tobacco is needed to get the same effect. This is called tolerance. Over time, a smoker reaches a certain nicotine level and then will need to keep up the usage to keep the level of nicotine within a comfortable range. Smokers can quickly become dependent on nicotine and suffer physical and emotional withdrawal symptoms when they stop smoking. These symptoms include irritability, nervousness, headaches and trouble sleeping. 
The true mark of addiction, though, is that people still smoke even when they know smoking is bad for them, affecting their lives, their health and their families in unhealthy ways. In fact, most people who smoke want to quit. And I can't think of any smoker who would be happy with their child smoking, which I think is enough of a mark in itself. Anything that you want for your children is inherently good. You want good things for them. But you smoke, you enjoy it, but you do not, and you actively dissuade your children from smoking because you know what it does. You just can't stop yourself. Researchers are also looking at other chemicals in tobacco that make it hard to quit. In the brains of animals, tobacco smoke causes chemical changes that are not fully explained just by the effects of nicotine alone. So in the average amount of nicotine the smoker gets in one regular cigarette is about one to two milligrams. The amount you actually take in depends on a number of factors like how you smoke, how many puffs you take, how deeply you inhale and other factors. So there are some people who are more likely to get addicted to smoking than others. So who is most likely? So anyone who starts using tobacco can become addicted to nicotine. Studies show that smoking is most likely to become a habit during the teen years. The younger you are when you begin to smoke, the more likely you are to become addicted to nicotine. And according to the 2014 Surgeon General's report, nearly 9 out of 10 adult smokers started before the age of 18 and nearly all started by age 26. The report estimates that about 3 out of 4 high school smokers will become adult smokers even if they intend to quit in a few years. According to the 2012 Surgeon General's report, of every three young smokers, only one will quit. And one of those remaining smokers will die from tobacco-related causes. Most of these young people never considered the long-term health consequences associated with tobacco use when they started smoking and nicotine, a highly addictive drug, and causes many to continue smoking well into adulthood, often with deadly consequences. You think that because it takes so many cigarettes to get you to that point, or you only see the people coughing and spluttering, they're smoking 40 a day. Well, I won't get to that point. I'm not going to let it get that bad. I'm going to quit at some stage. I'm just having a few at the moment because it's a bit of fun. And you think it takes tens of thousands of cigarettes to cause cancer. So each little one isn't going to be the one that's going to do the damage. You know? I know this is a lot of facts and figures at the moment, but it's important to the very start before we get into the psychology side of it. So about two out of three smokers say they want to quit and about half try to quit each year, but few succeed without help. It's because smokers not only become physically dependent on nicotine, there's also a strong emotional and psychological dependence. Nicotine affects a smoker's behavior, mood and emotions. If a smoker uses tobacco to help manage unpleasant feelings and emotions, it can become a problem for some when they try to quit. The smoker may link smoking with social activities and many other activities too. And all of these factors make smoking a hard habit to break. So for example, when I would try and cut down, I would avoid driving where I could because I would associate driving with smoking and I would associate smoking with driving. So if I'm going to the shop, I would often have one on the way and have one on the way back. But if I stayed at home and did nothing, I wouldn't have either of them. So you associate these moments with smoking and you think, well, here is a five minute window, five minute break. I'm going to stick a cigarette in there. So during an ad break on TV, your natural instinct is I'm going to go 
make a cup of coffee, whatever, go have a smoke while I'm doing that and be back in time for the next bit. That's why it's good that um, streaming is become a, more of a, a thing because there's less ad breaks and you're less likely to want to squeeze a cigarette into that. You're not going to pause a 40-minute show yourself. But if it's on TV, you might have one or even two ad breaks in it. And during those, that's when you get the real craving. Not because of the nicotine itself, but the habit. So, in fact, it may be harder to quit smoking than to stop using cocaine or opiates like heroin. In 2012, researchers reviewed 28 different studies of people who were trying to quit using the substance they were addicted to. They found that 18% were able to quit drinking. About 40 were able to quit opiates or cocaine, but only 8% were able to quit smoking. So why is it so hard to quit tobacco versus anything else? So stopping or cutting back on tobacco, it can cause symptoms of nicotine withdrawal. So this withdrawal can be both physical and mental. Physically, your body is reacting to the absence of nicotine. Mentally, you're faced with giving up a habit which calls for a major change in behaviour. Emotionally, you might feel as if you've lost your best friend. Studies have shown that smokeless tobacco users have as much trouble giving up tobacco as cigarette smokers who quit smoking. When a habit has been learned in the context of a particular set of cues, for example with a cup of coffee or tea, the sight and smell of smoke, the tactile sensation of a cigarette in the hand, these cues can then act as secondary reinforcers. They become moderately reinforcing in their own right. For example, the catch in the throat associated with smoking or holding a cigarette in your hand are unlikely to be pleasant in their own right. But smokers describe such things as pleasurable. Like I always remember when I did, I did quit smoking for about five years. The one I always missed, and it's not one I would have had often, but if I was playing cards, I liked the feeling of a cigarette between the fingers as I was sifting through the cards. That was always the one I missed. Not so much any of the other ones, that one. So it's a secondary reinforcer in those kind of ways. So it's likely that such sensations have been so closely associated with the primary rewarding effects of nicotine that they've come to elicit a pleasant sensation and contribute to the process of smoking addiction. So to borrow an example from West 2006 study, if we take a 20 a day smoker who takes approximately 12 puffs on each cigarette, that person is repeating the reinforcement process 240 times a day. So that works out as 87,600 times a year. And if they continue to smoke for 25 years, that amounts to 2 million 190,000 times. <clears throat> so it's easy to see how deeply entrenched the habit can become and how cues closely associated with the primary reinforcer of the nicotine can come to be strongly reinforcing in their own right. People who've used tobacco regularly for a few weeks or longer will have withdrawal symptoms if they suddenly stop or greatly reduce the amount they use. Now that also applies to other things like weight loss and gyms and... Um, New Year's resolutions and things like that and that is one of the primary reasons why they, why they fail so rapidly but I will be coming to that another time. So there's no danger in nicotine withdrawal but the symptoms can be uncomfortable. They usually start within a few hours and the peak 
about two to three days later when most of the nicotine and its byproducts are out of the body. Withdrawal symptoms can last for a few days up to several weeks. They get better each day though that the person does stay tobacco free. So some of them would be dizziness, depression, feelings of frustration, impatience, anger, anxiety, irritability, trouble sleeping, trouble falling asleep, trouble staying asleep, having bad dreams, concentration, restlessness, boredom, headaches, tiredness, increased appetite, weight gain, that's a huge one because inevitably you'll start snacking, slower heart rate, constipation, gas, cough, dry mouth, sore throat, sore throat, nasal drip, chest tightness, my God. So they can lead a person to start using tobacco again. You can say, right, just one more, it'll get me through the next few days. And then it becomes just one a day. You know, just middle of the day or before I go to bed, just one a day, it'll be fine. And then it creeps back in. So there's a growing body of evidence that also points to the role of non-nicotine factors in supporting the behaviour. So anecdotally, smokers prefer smoking to other forms of nicotine administration, so patch, gum, nasal spray. And in the lab, smokers have been shown to prefer smoking a denicotinized cigarette over receiving nicotine through IV. So this does contradict what I'd said earlier on. As I say, this is a mixture of five different articles, so it does kind of change over and back. But it seems to be, by some studies, primarily the habit as opposed to the nicotine. Like when I quit for five years, I was using e-cigarettes and I got it down to zero milligrams nicotine pretty easily. But it was the habit itself of using it that was the real kick that was hard to break. Okay, uh, where was it? Okay, so, um, so why do some people find it harder than others to quit? Some people, whether it's Lent or something, or I hear some people that can literally wake up in the morning and say, do you know what? I'm done with smoking and that's it and they could have been smoking 20 or 40 a day but they just decide I'm done end of it would be amazing if we could be all like that so there's like over 5,000 chemicals in tobacco smoke including nicotine so we've gone through nicotine already but the tobacco industry has designed designed and modified cigarettes including adding additional chemicals to make them as addictive as possible Nicotine is a stimulant and it can provide temporary relief from feelings of anxiety and depression. And that's why when people are nervous and stuff, first thing they reach for is that pack. But in between cigarettes, the levels of nicotine and the effects of the cigarettes drops, which in turn raises stress levels and creating the need to smoke. So you end up on this roller coaster all day because of smoking. When in reality, you'd be much better off and much calmer if you weren't doing it at all. So, some people have a greater physical dependence on tobacco than others, maybe because they smoke more or they've smoked for a very long time. And those people will experience more extreme withdrawal symptoms when they try to quit. I know this is all very negative at the moment, and it's probably putting off anyone who is thinking of quitting, like myself. But it's important to know the effects that it has on the body, and maybe then it might give you the grit to stick through it. So because of the physical addiction, some people may find it takes a long time to stop for good or many attempts to do it. The main thing is that you don't stop trying. Okay, so quitting aids. Like, you can go to your GP and you can get prescriptions for things like Zyban or Champix. I've used Champix myself maybe three times. I'm still smoking, but I did find it was great for 
cutting me down to the point where it was only the habit I was looking for, I think anyway, not just the nicotine. So the problem with Champix in particular though, is it's been associated with a number of side effects. Most worryingly, psychiatric ones including agitation, depressed mood, suicidal thoughts and an increased risk of heart attack, which is very worrying. But either way, these medications have only about a 14% success rate. Even in the absence of side effects, it's still far from impressive. So why aren't they successful? So NRT, nicotine replacement therapy, and other medications address the nicotine addiction, but they lack the important sensory and behavioral cues associated with cigarette smoking. In other words, they don't address the associative learning processes that have occurred through a lifetime of a smoking habit. So what we need is a device that replaces not only the nicotine from cigarette smoking, but also the activity of smoking. So this is where e-cigarettes kind of come in. So they've gained a lot of popularity worldwide and are mainly sold on the internet and in many shops around the high street now. So you've removable cartridges or you can fill up on a juice that has different chemicals in it uh, three main parts, flavour, propylene glycol, um, glycerol and some flavouring. So I'm not going to bore you with how exactly it works. But basically you keep the habit, you get the sensation of the hit in the throat. You have different flavours, which I found really helpful the first time around because uh, I was smoking, the, or sorry, I was vaping ones that were supposedly going to emulate the taste of tobacco smoke but I never found it really worked so when I started trying the kind of fruity flavours then I said oh this actually tastes really nice so what happened then was when I was outside um, if I was going out for a night I could be outside in the smoking area using it but I didn't crave a cigarette because I knew it wouldn't taste as nice as what I was vaping worked for me for a long time didn't end up working completely in the end but I'm hoping that's what's going to help me get off again but every person is different so can an e-cigarette actually help you to quit so although it delivers nicotine and incorporates the sensory and behavioral aspects of smoking um, it has considerable potential obviously to reduce the public health burden associated with tobacco smoking smokers are only likely to switch to e-cigarettes if they're easy to use so to effectively replace the primary and secondary reinforcing aspects of smoking and can reduce nicotine craving and withdrawal symptoms. So in a study conducted in the lab at the University of East London in 2012, abstinent smokers given a zero milligram e-cigarette, so basically a placebo, reported comparable reduction in craving and withdrawal symptoms after five minutes to those given 16 milligram nicotine, which would be double the strength of your average cigarette. After 20 minutes compared with the placebo group, craving and withdrawal symptoms were further reduced in males, but not females receiving nicotine. The gender differences are consistent with an emerging body of evidence that suggests that smoking behaviour of men may be reinforced more by nicotine intake, and in women more by non-nicotine conditioned responses. So the health risks and safety aspects of e-cigarettes are frequently and sometimes sensationally expressed concern. On the balance, however, e-cigarettes are probably doing very little harm and in all likelihood doing people a lot of good if they're using these as a complete or partial alternative to tobacco smoking. What is very apparent is that the potential to contribute to improved public health certainly merits further research. 
So I knew and I felt after about maybe three to four weeks of using the e-cigarette, I felt much better. My sense of taste was coming back. My sense of smell came back. Um, I found I wasn't getting gassed going upstairs as easily. I knew that the toxins were being flushed out of my body. So even though there is a lot of buzz about how safe they are, I think compared to actual cigarettes, and it's funny, they're banned in Australia, even though cigarettes are still allowed, when if cigarettes are used for their intended purpose, is going to kill you. But e-cigarettes are banned. It might be a step, stepping stone to get onto smoking, but I think it's more commonly used as a stepping stone to get off smoking. I wouldn't be so worried about a kid using it, but seeing them spark up a cigarette is fucking alarm bells for me. So, I wouldn't have a whole lot to say against e-cigarettes. Until there's a bit more study done on the chemicals and everything like that, I think it is far better than the alternative. If you spend a day using an e-cigarette versus having one actual cigarette, you're much better off, I think, to have the e-cigarette. So, that's my tuppence. Now, with the guidelines, to if you're trying to quit, or if you want to quit, there are a number of things to watch out for. I have tried, see you now, cold turkey, tried that a few times, tried cutting down. I used a cigar cutters to cut the cigarette in half, because I found about halfway through, I got my hit, it was fine, so I would cut the cigarette, have the other half later on, so then that way I was there was less carcinogens going into my body. So that was something I tried. Worked for a while. Um, I tried replacing the habit with something else. So something creative using the hands worked very well for me. Um, so whether it could be drawing, music, Lego, fuck it, knitting, whatever. Something to occupy your hands, but not eating junk food because that's a recipe for disaster. You'll still end up with heart disease down the line if you eat 20 times a day, a Kit Kat Chunky or something. You're going to get fat as fuck, you're going to get very unhappy with yourself, and you're going to be doing as much damage in other parts of your body than your lungs. So I would be very, very cautious of that. Incidentally, I've also noticed that I eat more junk when I smoke than when I don't smoke, because when I go to the shop for a pack of cigarettes, I also get some junk food as well, and it's usually a two for two euro kind of job. Might be saving 10 cent, but because it's a deal, I feel like I have to take part in it. So I end up coming out of the shop with a pack of cigarettes and, I don't know, Twix, Mars Bar, when I don't need any of the three of them. But anyway. Um, oh, use tar filters. So there are these little plastic things that you could put onto the filter of the cigarette and it filters out the tar, and you can physically see it in the filter when you're done. Try that for a while as a way of staying smoking, but also reducing the impact it was having on my body. As I said earlier on, I've tried Champix three times uh, with varying levels of success. Um, E-cigarettes was the only thing that worked for me. Now, I went back on cigarettes, but that was me being bit mad for a weekend and I ended up not being able to quit again afterwards a year and a half later so you can't allow yourself to say oh well look I'm going to relax this weekend I'm going to buy a box of cigarettes because they all come in 20s now in the days before when you could buy a box of 10 it was terrible for getting kids into smoking but it was great for adult smokers who just wanted to be able to have it every so often they could go out in a night out buy the 10 box have those for the night and there was nothing left on the nightstand the following morning 
but now you buy a 20 box you have them on the night out that's grand the following day you still have 10 of them left behind what do you do with those 10 are you strong enough to be able to leave those until the next time you go out maybe maybe not um so yeah the e-cigarettes gonna work for me so if you were trying to quit there are a few things uh, a few caveats to watch out for give yourself a bit of credit give yourself a bit of slack because things will be different while you're coming off them it's not this big massive thing to be scared about if it doesn't work it doesn't work that doesn't mean that when you try and fail or if you try and fail that that's the end of the road no it just means it didn't work that day or maybe that particular method didn't work that doesn't mean you're gone and you're stuck and you're always going to be doing this so don't beat yourself up don't be impatient about it like it's a natural tendency to quit smoking and expect it to be over within a month and that'd be great but it just doesn't work that way when we quit we're letting go of a habit that most of us have carried for many years if not all of our adult lives and it's only fair to expect that breaking down the old associations that tied us to smoking and replacing them with new healthier habits will take some time So it's going to be a process, not an event. So don't be impatient with it. And don't be impatient with yourself. It's a natural tendency to quit and expect it to be over within a month. But it just doesn't work that way. Nice and all as that would be. Not for most of us. When we quit, we're letting go of a habit that most of us have carried for many years. If not all of our adult lives. So it's only fair to expect that breaking down the old associations that tied us to smoking and replacing them with new, healthier habits will take some time. Sit back, relax, think of time as one of your best quit buddies. Like the more time you put between you and the last cigarette you smoked, the stronger you will become. Have patience with yourself and the process. Don't worry about the future. Nicotine withdrawal and habit withdrawal plays mind games with us early on in quitting smoking. We think about smoking all the time and we worry that we'll always miss our cigarettes. And it's called junkie thinking. And we all go through a certain amount of it as we recover from addiction. For the new quitter, it can be paralysing to think about never lighting another cigarette. And thoughts like this, if they're left unchecked, they can easily lead to a relapse. So I always said to myself that I would allow myself a cigar if the occasion called for it. And having that thought in my head that I haven't fully quit was a comfort in itself. Now I ended up never having that cigar. Wait, did I? No, I did have that cigar and it tasted like shit. I bought a pack of mini cigars and I had one of them and it tasted fucking horrible. So I had another couple thinking that, you know, like the first cigarette in the day can taste like shit. And like, oh, you know, I'll get to enjoy these. Plus I've bought them. So what a waste. You might as well chuck your money in the fucking bin anyway. But uh, yeah, so apart from that, I never used the cigars, but I used the thought that I could have one as a bit of a comforter. And it worked pretty well. So, if you find yourself feeling panicked about your smoke-free future, pull out of it by focusing your attention only on the day that you have in front of you. Or even just the hour, if it's really early on, if it's day one, day two. Just take it, time at a time. 
So it takes practice and patience to stay in the here and now, but it can be done and it is a great way to maintain control over your quitting program, whatever way you decide to try and do it. So don't be negative. Start paying attention to your thoughts and banish those ones that do not serve your best interests. Be kind to yourself and stop lamenting the things you can't change, like the years you spent smoking. Be good or be happy with yourself that that's going into the past. It's not gone yet, but it's going there. And look at your past quit attempts, not as failures, but experiences you can learn from. Like I said earlier on, I tried maybe six, seven different things. And if it didn't work, I might try it another couple of times. And if it still didn't work, I said, that isn't the one for me. Try something different. I'll be doing uh, an episode on problem solving in relation to mental health and stuff like that. And that's one of the things that you can use for pretty much any issue that you have, whether it's an addiction to something or just general problem solving activities are really good for um, deterring anxiety and depression. So think about all the positive changes you're creating in your life by quitting tobacco now and remember to use the value of today to your advantage. Don't neglect yourself. Early smoking cessation, cessation? cessation is a time when you should be taking extra care to make sure all your physical needs are met. So there's a list of tips here. Eating a well-balanced diet, so your body needs good quality fuel now as it works to flush the toxins from cigarettes out of your system. The damage that you've done, a lot of it can be undone, depending on how far along the road you are, how much you smoked. Either way, your body will be better off and you'll immediately start gaining time back as soon as you quit. Get more rest. So chances are nicotine withdrawal will leave you feeling fatigued for a while. If you're tired, don't fight it. Sleep more if you can. Hey, it's much easier to fight cravings when you're fucking asleep. They just don't happen. Drink water. Water is a great quit aid. It helps you to detox more quickly. And if you can detox and flush these things out of your system, you will crave less. It also keeps yourself hydrated, which will help you feel better overall. Exercise daily. So exercise benefits both physical and mental health, and it's another good way to manage cravings to smoke. Walking is a low-impact aerobic workout. There's a good choice for those of us leading inactive lives. Not too stressful, not too hard on the body. You don't want to push yourself too hard, too fast. Start easy. Also, when you're out walking, your mind gets distracted by what you're looking at and what you're seeing, what you're hearing, what you're smelling. Feed the other senses. And it's a great thing to distract your mind. Um, be sure to check in with your doctor before starting anything too strenuous if you're not used to exercise as well before because that can push your body too hard too fast. Take it easy. Make life as easy as you can on yourself. Don't push yourself too hard. Um, take a daily multivitamin. So cigarettes, they deplete our bodies of many nutrients, so give yourself the boost that a good multivitamin gives you for the first few months of quitting smoking. It can help you regain your energy more quickly too. Taking care of your body, especially as you move through early cessation, will help you to minimise the discomforts of nicotine withdrawal. And remember, while nicotine withdrawal may not be a pain-free experience, it's a temporary phase of recovery that we all have to go through to get through. Don't drink alcohol. Now, this one, 
I'm not 100% sold on. I think there's a little bit of a caveat to go with it. Don't go out in the batter. Because then you will very, very easily relapse. You know, one or two, you'll be grand. But as you go further into the drinking, then you will crave more and more and more. And you're more likely to secede to it. Alcohol and tobacco do go hand in hand together. And that's where the risk is. New quitters are tender. So putting your, not tender now tender so putting yourself into a social setting where you're tempted to drink alcohol too soon after quitting can be dangerous don't rush it the time will come when you can have a drink without it triggering the urge to smoke but don't expect that to be for the first few weeks or maybe even the first few months okay now that would stress me out thinking i can't have a drink for a few months so don't let any of these get to you and say well i can't quit or i shouldn't quit or not yet Not till after Christmas or whatever the case may be. Don't let that put you off. Take each day as it comes. So if there's an engagement coming up that involves alcohol and you feel nervous about it, take it as a signal to proceed with caution and just keep yourself in check. It's no exaggeration that you're working hard to save your life by quitting smoking. So give cessation the attention it deserves. Don't hesitate to ask for help, whether it's from a GP from a government body like the NHS or whatever your government has use those tools if you can don't think you can smoke just one cigarette that just doesn't work and it is a recipe for disaster avoid that if you can so many a good quit program has been lost to thoughts being able to control our smoking habits don't fall for it the only way to keep the beast at bay is to keep nicotine and out of your system and the habit away from your hands If you decide to go ahead and smoke just one cigarette or just one night, chances are you'll be back to it in very short order and you'll end up have gone through that for nothing. So you might even find yourself smoking more than you used to then as well because you missed it and oh my God, this is an amazing feeling to have back. So don't fall for that. Okay, don't forget why you wanted to quit and there are a myriad of reasons of why you want to quit. So whether it's your health, your family, Um, quality of life cost there are millions of reasons why you would want to quit but very few why you would want to stay doing it so keep focused on if I decide to not have this cigarette that buys me an extra bit of time with my family loved ones or it saves me a certain amount of money keep focusing on this is a little reward I get this extra time back I save this little bit of money reward yourself for avoiding that and for not buying another pack or not having a couple of cigarettes if you have a few less per day if you're deciding to cut down to cut out congratulate yourself for it it's an achievement now the pitfalls so a lot of people put on weight when they quit so there are five main reasons why people would do it Smoking speeds up your metabolism so your body burns calories at a faster rate. When you stop smoking, you actually need fewer calories. Smoking can also suppress your appetite. You can find that food tastes better after you stop smoking and you can crave sugary foods. That's the one that really catches most people. is because you can have a little snack. You're not going to have an extra fucking dinner a day, but you will have an extra, you know, Twix, Kit Kat, Mars. I don't know why I can't think of any other companies at the moment. So Mars is getting a free plug. If you feel like sponsoring me, get in contact. Um, It's possible to mistake nicotine cravings for feeling hungry 
or to eat to distract yourself from them. You can replace your hand-to-mouth action of smoking with snacking. So how do you avoid this happening? Keep your metabolism high by taking regular exercises. Try walking rather than getting the bus or getting a lift. Start a gym class or ask your local sports centre about the activities they offer. You could go down that line. I think walking is a really good one because you can do it multiple times a day without tiring yourself out. Because you're going to get cravings for cigarettes multiple times in the day. You do a spin class, you're not going to be able to do that a number of times. Walking, I think, is hands down the best that you can do. Combat your hunger pangs then by keeping a stash of healthy treats to hand, nuts, fresh fruit and veg sticks. Oh my God, who wrote this? Who the fuck is going to say, oh, I'd love a cigarette, I'm going to have a bit of a carrot instead. (sighs) Look, might work for some people. Maybe not others. Maybe you could hold the carrot stick in your hand like a cigarette and gently nibble on it. So it gets shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. And you can say, oh, that's like a cigarette. If that works, fucking fair play to you. Let me know. Eat smaller portions of food until your metabolism is stabilized. It takes 20 minutes for you to feel full after eating. So take a break or go for a walk after your main meal and see if you still feel hungry in half an hour. If so, dip into your healthy treats. Yes. Okay. Um, just because food, because food tastes better doesn't mean you need to eat more of it. Chew your food slowly and enjoy each mouthful. That's kind of generally more about cutting down on food than smoking. But look, hey, if it works for people, if one of these people put it in their article, then I'll say it's worked for some people. And if it works for one person, then fuck it, it's worth saying. So make sure you stop taking your smoking medicines regularly. Make sure you're... T- oh, sorry. Excuse me. Make sure you're taking your stop smoking medicines regularly to help suppress cravings. The less you crave nicotine, the easier it'll be to keep focused. Yes, that is absolutely 100% true. If you miss a couple of days of Champix or whatever like that, it's like you're coming back to, not the start, but it does bring you back and you're ending up using these tablets um, not as efficiently and they are really fucking expensive. Okay, exercise to avoid gaining weight. Well, I think we all know how to exercise, don't we? We all know how to do that. So I don't think we need to go into this whole thing. But it does say two and a half hours of moderate intensity aerobic exercise, such as fast walking, swimming or cycling every week. I don't know. I think a good 10 minute walk a few times a day might add up to two and a half hours. Do whatever works for you. Everybody's different. So don't follow any strict program. Uh, Do what your body tells you to do or what you find works could be that no exercise and doing a 10,000 piece jigsaw is the best thing to get you through. Try different things. If something doesn't work, try it again once or twice. And if it still ain't working, try something else. I hope that's giving you food for thought. Um, Look things up. Make some bit of a plan. Or maybe don't plan. Sometimes not planning can be the best thing because... Maybe the planning itself gives you something to stick to that mightn't work for you. Maybe it might be a bit more of a casual arrangement that, no, I'm going to cut this one out now. I don't really need that particular cigarette. So I'm going to skip that one. That could be the best thing for you as well. Don't think that any one program is going to be the one for you. It might be, it might not be. Pay attention to yourself. And what thoughts go through your head about it when you're trying anything. See how you feel. But don't stop trying.
and that's it. Because of my own anxiety issues, reading comments about how it is would send me into overdrive, so please, I would ask that you leave no reviews at all. But if you do want to get in contact, please send an email to pearlsandwisdom at aol.com or follow the Instagram page at pearlsandwisdom, where we'll be posting some of the material we cover in the episodes. Stay safe, stay happy, chat soon.